The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDunes.com. What's up, everybody? This is Magic, and that is a mic. It's not Mike Samich. It's Mike Saratoga Slim Specker. This is the Magic Mike Show, and it's a special one because this guy right here is here to preview the Breeders' Cup and give his thoughts. Slim, welcome back to the Magic Mike Show, buddy. I am so excited to be here with you on the Magic Mike Show. I think my last appearance on the Magic Mike Show was before we even had the live streams. I think we were just doing the podcast at that point. So thank you all for joining me. I'm going to be going through the pace of all the races on Saturday and also give you my top five wagering tips for Breeders' Cup 2022. It's going to be pretty exciting. If you don't know uh, Saratoga Slim, uh, you're missing out. But Slim is an award-winning, a national award-winning handicapper for his pace analysis. Uh, he got the award for the Kentucky Derby, but it's something Slim's been doing for years. Since I, long before I knew Slim, I knew he was doing uh, the pace studies. And so that's why today is going to be a, an important one. Because if you remember at Keeneland in 2020 for the Breeders' Cup, there were a lot of speed horses that were either winning gate to wire or were you know second or third early and, and were able to pounce. So the pace is going to, especially the dirt, is going to be very important. So uh, I don't know. Do you want to do any further introductions? Are you ready to jump right in? I'm ready to jump on in. We got Mike Samich on the road to the BCBC. So before I forget, good luck to Mike Samich in the BCBC. I'm sitting in his seat today, so hopefully I make him <laughs> proud. Both of the dudes... At, well, we're all dudes, but the main dudes, the founding dudes, Aaron and Jared, are on the road to Breeders' Cup Keeneland. I got my Valence hat on, so we're going to be talking a little about the wagering and how to get about that. We got Russian Fall. Valiance was my big exacta the last time it was at Keeneland. Monomoy Girl over Valence. So we're going to talk a little bit about the wagering, but check out all my tickets in the wagering guide, which is available now. Is it available now? It is available now. Yeah, it's been it out is available since, uh, now. about a half hour now. Yeah. It's been out for a half hour. I finished my article yesterday. Got it out there. We got a great article. I can't wait after this. I'm going to read it from Samuel Baum about how he's approaching the BCBC, which is going to be great. And obviously, Aaron and Jared have all the tickets that they're playing and their bankroll and, you know, all the previews that Aaron does. This is the guide. The first one I did was in 2015. For the racing dude seven years ago when it was at Keeneland. This is the third time at Keeneland. So we have some information to crunch from those Keeneland Breeders' Cups. We'll bring that all in here today. And you want to just hit it off? Let's do it. Can't do it any better myself. Right is up. All right, Slim, before we get started, you did remind me the wagering guide is available now. So uh, if you're watching live, here's how you can get it. Go to racingdudes.com, uh, click on your account, go to picks dashboard. If you've already purchased this, even if you're not a, a subscriber, this is how you're going to get it. So go to the dashboard up here at the top. You see racing guides. Click on it. We're going to go all the way down. Click on dig into the latest uh, issue of the inside track to the Breeders' Cup. And then also the 14 trends to know. They're both available right there. So if you did buy it, it is available right now. Go check it out. It is uh, Saratoga Slim's one of the guys in there. Slim, I'm going to turn it over to you. This is mostly going to be your show. You are the expert here. I'm just going to be producing. So uh, talk to us first about the classic and your pace analysis. We're going to dive right into it. I see some people 
out there saying, looking at the guide now. So hopefully you're looking at the guide, reading it, hearing my analysis. We got the Racing Dudes account saying, nah. So hopefully they're in the car right up to Lexington. As we get ready, we have exactly 48 hours until the first Breeders' Cup race on Friday, the Juvenile Turf Sprint. I will only be focusing on the Saturday races, and I'm doing it in reverse order. This is a way that I like to handicap Start with the last race. You want to make sure you have money left for this race because the classic is going to be awesome this year. Flight line, the likely winner, and it's a strong single that you can use at the end of wagers. You, you could talk more about that in the wagering guide if you want to check out that. I like flight line over epicenter here, and I'll tell you why. Obviously, life is good as the E8 here, and right we have here on each one of these slides on the Saturday card, I'll explain to how I set this up. We have what's here, the Brisnet past performances. This is the pace summary, and if you haven't followed my analysis in the past, a lot of my pace analysis comes from this. Where you see a horse's E, we're going to denote that as green for go. They want to go. They want to be on the lead. E is for early. Eight is the highest level from one to eight of their early speed. And when you talk about their speed points, life is good. E8 going to go to the lead. If you were just going straight from the pace scenario, you see here E6, another horse that wants to go for the lead, Hot Rod Charlie. But then we also have Flight Line, which is an EP stop, uh, type of running style. EP is early presser. And that's exactly what he's going to do. He has the highest with the points of eight for his running style. He's going to get out there and be pressing. Life is good. What we have down here at the bottom is a pace projector. And as you can see, the number four flight line breaking from the gate. I also have the gate up here so you can see where they're breaking. Flight line's going to be to the outside of life is good. And he's going to be stalking him throughout. It's going to be very difficult for life is good to try to do anything after this horse looks him in the eye. That's the thoughts from many of the big experts right now that life is good is going to fold up the shop. And there really are two races we're looking at here. It is flight life is good versus flight line. And then all of these horses behind them may never even see flight line. <laughs> so that's the thing. Everyone else is going to kind of run their own race and whoever gets second out of that. If you assume that life is good is going to get his heart broken, go back through the field. Who is going to win out of the other six horses in the field? I have Apercenter winning that race, the second race. What you got to say about I, that magic? I mean, that's my exacta too. And I know that the Racing Dudes team is pretty split. We all love Flightline, but we're very split about who's going to be second. I know it's a, that Samich and Jared are on Team Taba. You and Aaron and I are liking Epicenter a little bit better there. Uh, can I ask you this? It seems like life is good. The plan is they know this is his last race and he's got one chance to win, and that's just to go. Do you see a scenario where he becomes too tough for Flightline to reel in, or is Flightline just that good? It is very true. Flightline has never ran against a horse this fast. Obviously, Speaker's Corner, not very fast. The horses he went up against in the Pacific Classic, not at this level. Life is good, is a Breeders' Cup winner, Dirt Mile winner, Pegasus World Cup winner, Whitney winner. He is one of the fastest horses in the country maybe the second fastest horse in the country to <laughs> flight line. So he's going to have to dismiss him, but I think he will dismiss him pretty early, but there is an opportunity for life is good to hold on for second here. That is true too. what mile and a quarter. I don't love it for him. It's not his 
ideal trip. I like the mile, a mile and an eighth the most for him. And you got to remember, he was a seven furlong sprinter back last year when he faced Jackie's Warrior off the bench. So he got that early speed. I don't know. The mile and a quarter, I'm still questioning for life is good. Yeah, the, the only time he's tried it was the Dubai World Cup, and it's it's not a great data point to use, right, because it, it was a mile and a quarter, but it's overseas, and horses don't always do well shipping there. Sometimes they don't return well afterwards. It seems like he's done well enough. He has a lot. He's never lost at two turns, I believe. I, I think the Dubai World Cup, if that's a one-turn race, if I'm remembering right, um, the life is good is never lost at, at, at two turns beyond that race. So he is really tough. Uh, he is fast. He's naturally fast. Uh you were, I, I want to give you some credit because Rich, yes, and Happy Savers, my trades all. Curtis, you and me, man. Curtis's are good there. Uh, as far as a pace collapse, uh, the Kentucky Derby, you and I were live and you were saying before, and like Rich Strike's got a good chance to hit the board because you foresaw that there'd be a hot pace. You probably didn't foresee it being an historic pace that would just literally collapse the way that it did. But the point is, Slim, there's a lot of pace, uh, some pace here. Will it fall apart and who comes flying late? Yeah, I don't love it for Rich Strike. I think that the, these horses, I don't know, will get sucked into it. I think Olympiad and horses like Hot Rod Charlie, I think they're running for second. I think their owners have to look at the paychecks they can get for second place and just say, hey, let's try to get second. So I don't think they're going to try to get up in that skirmish up front. And that's going to be to the detriment of horses like Rich Strike and Happy Saver to hit the hit the try. I mean, third, fourth. Yeah, I could definitely see them getting in there. I like Olympiad underneath everything. It's because he is, as you can see on the slide vlog horses, I got four of the eight horses that I visited their stalls up in Saratoga. You believe that? So that's pretty cool. The backside vlog. I know I saw somebody said Slim did a great job at Saratoga. Thank you so much. And, you know, a lot of these horses I know pretty well by going by their, <laughs> by their stalls and bothering them. And I just really like this Olympiad. I feel like he's going to grind it out. But, you know, I heard more recently that he's not working out well. I don't know where these reports are coming from because he was in Saratoga and no one is up here. So I'm not sure where those reports are coming from. But I feel like he could grind it out and no one is going to be playing this course. I think a lot of people are going to be playing Rich Strike underneath. They're going to be playing Hot Rod Charlie underneath. They might even throw Happy Saver in there underneath. And I think I might use Happy Saver. I feel like he's going to get running late also. So I like that idea from the Curtises to throw him in the third spot also. But Stone Cold, Flightline over Epicenter. Love the exacta. We'll see what it's paying out. If it's four bucks, oh my God, I'll do it. <laughs> right. I mean, that, and then we talk about this a lot. Like, how do you make money on short price favorites? If you're getting four to one on an exacta that you like, and flight line's the winner, it, I mean, that's it. four to one flight line. That's what you're getting. You're, get, you're getting him at four to one to win, and you you just happen to know who's going to be in second behind him. So, I like, any final thoughts before we go? Oh, all right. There you go. Oh, you were ready to go. No, I'm, ready, I'm ready to roll to the, to the turf. I think we do talked it. about the classic. We're going to hear about a lot about the classic. I mean, I will tell you this. I'll go back to the classic. Obviously, so excited to see Flightline. I want to see history. I want to say that I saw this horse win the Met Mile in person. It was the beginning of a historic run. So I am rooting for Flightline to win this race. And we'll see if we can see history on Saturday early evening as we move on to the adjoining leg in the double, the turf. I love this race. This is going to be a moderate to fast pace. We have Bye Bye Melvin from the rail 
who is an EP8 early presser eight should get the lead. And we also have channel maker from the six hole that should be leaving with that early speed. So we're going to see enough pace in this race to set it up for the late runners. When we look at some of the European runners, I'm very interested in stone age as far as being a horse that can show some speed to mix it up early. He was very close to the pace in the Irish champion two le two back at Leopardstown. So I know he can mix it up, and we know that Nation's Pride, the number seven here, I really like in this race as he is going to sit the trip. If you're taking a look at the screen right now, I know this is also going to be on podcast, so check this out on the YouTube, but I do have the pace projector here, the number seven, Nation Pride. Looks like he's going to sit the trip if this is a moderate to fast pace, but it's going to be fast enough, especially in a turf race, a mile and a half, to see them coming running late. I like Broom. With Irad Ortiz above to get a piece of this, possibly, or maybe even win. He struck the lead under Irad last year in this race. He may do the same here, but Nation's Pride, I think, is going to get the jump here. And we'll also see, obviously, the other, <clears throat> sorry, the other. Okay. The other Rebels romance for Charles Appleby, obviously the favorite in this race. I like Nation's Pride more than Rebels romance. I don't really love a horse coming out of Germany, but we'll see. Uh, That's, why was he yeah, no, no horse has ever, that great? No horse has ever won the turf after uh, winning their previous, making their previous start in Germany. So that would, he would be yeah. the first. It's not a route you see taken. And part of that is too, that uh, people don't know this. Sorry, my daughters are going crazy. Hey, my wife just got home. A lot of people don't know that the, uh, the rules in Europe for the top grade one group one turf races uh, for males, a lot of times you need to be intact. They're for Colts only. So uh, they're trying to, they're specifically like stallion making races. Uh, when you have a horse like Rebels Romance, who was gelded, uh, you know, over two years ago, a spot like Germany for a couple of group ones is a good place to go. Uh, he has won all four starts or his last four starts, uh, um, all four that were on the turf this year. He looks like a, a really great horse, but how about this? How deep are you going? Because I felt like this was a race where I want to go about four to five deep in my multi-races. Yeah, four to five deep. My tickets are in the guys. So I'm not going to do too much about that, so check those out. But, yeah, I'm going four deep here, and, you know, I'm on the fence here about Warlike Goddess. I did see her on the vlog. I saw Channel Maker. can't believe Channel Maker is still running in the Breeders' Cup. It's been six years straight that this horse is running this race. Uh, Incredible. Running, running the Breeders' Cup overall. Amazing run from this horse, and he's going to be up on the pace. He got one way to go so that's going to be exciting uh highland chief will be forwardly placed so this should be enough pace and you know i like a lot of the europeans and in the end i probably will have to put warlike goddess in something because i just can't get beat by her she is so uh tough but somebody that i'll probably take a little bit of a stand at nine to two you can't play all of the favorites in here it's just as much as we all, all love Warlike Goddess for the last couple of years, the Racing Dudes team, and this feels like the right race for her. You know, the distance is better here than the Philly Mare Turf. It's just hard to see her beating. If this was an American race, Slim, I think we'd all be like, "Yeah, we're going to put her on top. We have we're put her on top and, and feel confident about it." But when you've got Broom, who almost won this last year, and Nation's Pride, who's been looking good, and you have uh, uh, Stone Agent here, there's too many other Rebels Romance. There's too many other horses to want to play Warlike Goddess at that short of a price. Yeah, Kevin B has a great comment. Just feel like Channel Maker is going to push the pace hard for Warlike Goddess's chances with the two mods. Hey, it won't be the first time that somebody has used a 
pace setter to set it up for their horse for sure. So the turf, very exciting. But before that, a race that I have just flip-flop back and forth on <laughs> is the distaff. Probably the most confusing race for me. For some reason, eight horses have confused me. The pace scenario should be very straightforward. Society should get on lead. As you see, Society is an E8. That's usually a horse that gets on the lead. But with a wake at midnight and also an E6 in the field, it has kind of messed me up. I feel like that horse is going to screw something up here and get into the middle of this race with search results as an EP7, an early presser 7. She has that speed. She obviously really pressed Latruska in... Oh, excuse me. The race at Belmont. I'm drinking my White Claw. Oh, so I'm sorry. I burped. But yeah, so that race, the Ogden Phipps at Belmont, search results can really press here. I really like search results originally in this race. I'm definitely going to be throwing her in something, but I think this pace is going to be fast with Awake at Midnight in this race. It's very difficult to predict, though, if it's going to be fast enough that Malathot and Clarier are going to run. I mean, I don't want to go five deep in an eight horse race, but I think possibly I might need to, which is kind of crazy. Or I just play against nest and kind of think that nest, if you could take that off the screen, the race of the day. Yeah. I want to take a look at the, uh, dude, I got to look at the damn thing. So if you're listening to podcasts, please put on the YouTube and say, but you know, I feel like if you take a look at nest on the pace projector, I feel like she's going to be in the, Oh my God, I forgot the term. Stalking? Catbird seat? Not the catbird seat. The pocket? Oh my, not the pocket. Oh, my God. I can't think of the hey, term. Hey, chat, play along. Start throwing random words in the chat. Start throwing random terms. The jackpot. She's going to be in the jackpot. And that's one of my favorite terms in horse racing. I feel like Nest is going to be in the jackpot where you're going to have these early speed horses. Society. You're going to have a wake at midnight. And search results are going to be setting that pace and you don't know with Ness I ride is a great sense of pace but I feel like he's going to be caught in between those early speed horses and then those closers with Malathot and Clarier and between me and you I know Ness is a, a likely winner of this race people have been saying it I don't think she's she has not I don't think she has not faced a field of this class the horses that she was beaten up at, at Saratoga a bunch of three-year-old Scrubs, Secret Oath never lived up to the hype. And no one else really has done much out of those races. So I feel like Ness is a vulnerable favorite in here because I just see how Malathot and Clarier and even Search Results have that back class. They've been banging heads for two years straight. I really like one of those three here. I'm with Aaron. I've never heard that phrase in my life. I was naming all sorts of things that would have worked, but to call that the jackpot. Yeah. It's called in the jackpot. Yeah. I said the same thing when speaker's corner was um, going up against flight line. It's, it's the, it's the definition of being in the jackpot is if this horse goes too fast, it's going to screw up his chances. But if it isn't close enough, it's going to screw up his chances because the closers will have an opportunity to get, Next, we'll have the first jump, but if she gets too sucked into a fast pace, she might not have enough left to hold off Malathot. So it's going to be very tricky, and that's why this race, from a pace perspective, for eight horses, I'm most confused about how the pace outcome will end up. 
Uh, I'm. I really think that uh, uh, Clarier Malathat battle here at the end. If if Ness doesn't, for whatever reason, get the job done, I think you're going to see Clarier Malathat. I mean, the, the rivalry that unfortunately we didn't get to see last time. Clarier was in the personal ensign. You were there. She was fractious in the gate. Bitter tongue. Scratched that race off. There's no race on Clarier's form that doesn't say she's a major contender, and she beat Malathat in her two previous starts before the personal ensign. So whatever happens, there's been a lot of chat about. Uh, you know, race of the day, race of the week. And we're all extremely excited for this one. And uh, last question before. We, yeah, there you go. You got the perfect. I had the Clarier hat. hat for those on the From podcast. The I still haven't said that. I should have. Thank you to Barbara Banky and Stone Street. I met. So I, I do want to tell a little bit of some stories about. I have the vlogs next to him. I met Nalith. I met Malathot. I met Nest. I met Society. I didn't even know Society was a three-year-old when I met her, actually. But anyway. Going back to Clarier, I met Barbara Banky and got these hats. And Barbara Banky was like, who the hell is this guy? And then I looked up, Barbara Banky's family is worth like $2 billion. She started Kendall Jackson Winery. So I'm sure yep. her winning this, what is it? Is it a $4 million race did this stuff? Or $2 million, $3 million? I think it's just uh, four, two. I don't know. I think it's two. I think it just has I don't two. think it matters to Barbara Banky. But no, it doesn't. Happen. So Clarier... Hopefully she could add like a decimal to Barbara Banky's account here and win this race <laughs> because her family's worth like $2 billion. So anyway, I wish my family was worth $2 billion. One day I hit the big exacta. Maybe I'll hit it big. All right. So let's go on to the next race. <laughs> Any questions? What we got from the crowd? Uh, no, they're just the, the one chance I'll, I'll bring it up since you did ask. Dave uh, says he can't see the red, um, what it says on his screen. Oh. The red next to the names, it just says vlog. Those are horses that were featured on Saratoga Slim's uh, vlog at Saratoga this summer. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I was put, going through these races and I was like, how many of these horses did I actually, actually meet this summer? If you didn't follow, I'm Saratoga Slim. I do a vlog each summer at Saratoga at 20 five episodes and i interviewed everyone at the end of this you'll see uh, i have a little tribute slide to all the horses that i met so three of the eight horses in this slide i've met in this race i've met this staff <laughs> so uh they kind of it's very difficult for me to bet some of these races because i grow so uh close to some of them so everything i say take with a grain of salt <laughs> is that good for a handicapper to say yeah, it's perfect. Uh, let's move on. The hard, This to me right. is, is always the hardest, one of the hardest races. And this year I'm like, I know the last time was at Keeneland hitting the all button was the smart move because Order of Australia won from the AE list. I still say this is an all button race if you can afford it. This race is crazy, Slim. Yeah, I think there's a clear delineation, though, of the top Europeans coming over for this race. And they will not affect the early pace here. Only Pogo is... At Pogo and both Dream Loper are two of the Europeans that may show some early speed, but they're not going to be showing early speed like Smooth Like Straight and Beyond Brilliant that may hook up in the early goings here. They're both early eight type runners on this turf track, leaving from the five and seven. You might just see them get out to the lead and kind of run their own race way ahead of the other horses in here. Annapolis may be sitting in that good spot, though early he has to get over from the 11 post which is going to be difficult but i don't think that who's on him i is going to have issues getting that and tucking in also order of australia i really like with ryan moore both of those two horses should be taking up the running behind the early leaders and at the same time king cause is another one that could press the pace so 
I don't know if this is, I have it labeled as fast. I think it's going to be fast just because those two get out there, but I don't think it's going to be a detriment where it's a huge pace meltdown, but there'll be enough speed in the race to set it up for the Euro challengers late. But I think in the, in the stretch, Annapolis should have the lead in this race. So if you're going to bet on Annapolis, you're going to have that few seconds where you'd be like, oh my God, Annapolis could win this race. I feel like that's going to happen around mid-stretch. And then it's going to come down to him either being able to dig in and hold off those horses or spitting a bit or just getting passed by some of the big names in here like Modern Games, Order of Australia. Those are two of the horses that I'm looking at. Order of Australia, I just – I like this horse. I went to Ireland during the summer and met – well, not me. Then I saw him win a group two there, and I interviewed Aidan O'Brien, so – I got and Aiden O'Brien broke the news to me that he was bringing Order Australia back for this race, so it's like I have to bet on him. <laughs> if I flew to Ireland and went to the Cura and saw Order Australia win a Group Two and come back over here, and Aiden's just been pointing to this race. Obviously, he knows it's pretty easy when your horse wins a two million dollar race at the same track two years ago you bring him back so it's not brain surgery that he's doing this here but it was a huge upset last time right now 12 to 1 on order australia would still be a nice win to boost up some of your pick threes and pick four so i got him in there annapolis i said he might be able to hold them off and kin ross is very very classy so another horse there that's going to be making a late run uh, this is a, a. I've seen some people bringing up Pogo. That's a, an international horse that uh, drew the rail and, and has shown speed. Is usually his best races. He was either on the lead or very close to the lead. Uh, it's hard though to anticipate a Euro breaking cleanly and and doing being able to be forwardly placed at all. Uh, what did you think about Pogo? Because I noticed that the one yeah. isn't in this. Uh, yeah, Pogo's not on here. He's not. They don't have the data on him. But as I said, pace description. I have a little thing. Pogo wants to be forwardly placed. I still, this is crazy this year. The Europeans, from the way I've looked at some of the replays, as I talked about with Stone Age and with Nation's Pride, these are horses that have raced over here. Pogo has yet to race over here. But these other horses are showing that speed. And I think it is something that is happening. It'll happen over many years, possibly, is that the Europeans will get more speed. And Pogo will be interested to see how he will get out of the gate from the from the rail there. But I think just smooth like straight. That guy's always on the lead. And then beyond brilliant, also a very fast horse. I think they will have more speed than him. So Pogo, if I wanted to put him in here, I think in one of the races I did put a horse uh, in here. I would put a one somewhere right behind um, the five and seven. I think he, he's going to have to go and be up there. Uh, let's move on, Slim. Great analysis as always. And again, a really tough race here. If you've got big opinions in this race, you hopefully you'll be able to get some soap. Sorry, Slim. Get some oh. good prices here. Uh, not so many good prices uh, for who you like here on top in the sprint. We're all big fans of Jackie's Warrior. Yeah, I mean, this one should be quick. I don't want to take up too much time on everybody, but this is the Magic Mike show featuring Saratoga Slim to reset y'all. We just went through the late pick four on Breeders Cup Saturday. And this is the one that kicks off the late pick five with the sprint. Actually, it's not the late pick five, but it is a pick five ending in the classic with the sprint and Jackie's warrior. I got, I, I got the wig over there. Jackie warrior. She nice. I mean, I love this horse. I actually told this horse, as you can see, it's the only horse on here that I visited. Cause I think a lot of these horses kind of suck. 
And these are the type of fields that Jackie Warrior has beaten. <laughs> yeah. If Christopher was in here, I would not be as confident in Jackie's Warrior having the pace advantage here. Yes, maybe Super Ocho to his inside goes. But even if Jackie Warrior, she nice. I mean, even if this Super Ocho, what's the horse's name? I lost Yeah, the- Super Ocho, yep. Super, even if Super Ocho goes, we saw Jackie's Warrior. One of the best races he ran was he held off the pace in the Vanderbilt and blew him away. So he could sit off a cheap speed like that with Super Ocho. So I'm not worried if that horse decides to go out and take the lead or if Jackie Warrior gets in the lead. I don't think any of these horses could look him in the eye and pass him. Maybe he's not the same horse that beat Life is Good two years ago, but Kamari over Jackie, and I have that at the end. Kamari may be the main threat if she can sit close, and I think Kamari can sit close. So when you take a look at the pace scenario, I think that's really the only thing to really think about is that if Jackie Warrior gets out there, sits a moderate pace, as I have listed here, maybe Kamari, Kamari will make a run at him. Will Jackie turn her away? I think so. But I could foresee people... As Rodney was saying, Kamari over Jackie. We got a comment from Rodney on the screen here. It could happen. Kamari could beat Jackie. Maybe Jackie's washed. I don't think he is. I think he has one race left. He's going to lay it all out there. And this horse, as we've seen over and over again, sometimes heart just wins a race. Whitmore won this race a few years ago. That horse had as much heart as Jackie's warrior. Sometimes you could just win the six for a long race with her heart. Great point. Yeah. And Whitmore, you know, his third time trying to win the Breeders' Cup sprint happened at Keeneland. Uh, Dave says, why on paper do I like Flash of Mischief? It's because of who his trainer is, Dave. That's why when you have a chemist like Carl Broberg finally figure out the right concoction for juicing a horse. Well, that's what you have with Flash of Mischief. Um, Did you see Flash of Mischief having a chance to probably hit the board here? I know you've got him uh, um, sitting there about mid-pack for the pace. Yeah, I... I and then not look too deep into that horse. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to play those angles, it's fine to play those angles. I mean, one of the things that I'm confused about with Tybo, for instance, is if Bob in Kentucky will have the right mix. I'm not sure, you know, so and that's going to be something that we'll see early if Cave Rock has the right mix. And I think he will. I mean, Cave Rock has that field over a barrel. But yeah, will these horses or will these horses get the right mix from their trainers in this spot? We've seen. Brad Cox went four races at the Breeders' Cup in 2020. So we know he got that mix down. And, you know, if you like Broberg and the mix and you think he's going to be good in Kentucky because with each jurisdiction, these guys are aware of the different picogram limits and stuff. I'm sure they got they got people looking at this stuff. So especially what happened to Medina Spirit. So I'm not going to get too into it, but if that is your <laughs> handicapping angle, hey, man. Do not let me walk, talk you off of a horse that's 30 to 1 on the morning line. No way. And on Manny, that, we'll move on from, from after Manny this. Wah, but... I, Trish Smith, Manny Wah. I'll tell you, Manny Wah got, a, got a, uh, a win over the track. I like that. I'm more into the win over the track on the Keeneland turf course than I am on the dirt. But, hey, Manny Wah, I don't know how the hell he ran that, ran that race. I actually thought Manny Wah would win that race. I was listening to you guys on the air, and Aaron said, this – it was a Friday. And he's like, 
this seems like a Maniwa Friday and he won. So yeah, yep. I, that was just that type of race that he could win. I don't think he's going to be as successful here, but Hey, if you like him in third or fourth and you want to round out your tri supers or maybe in, even your exact with Maniwa, I won't hold that against you. Um, I'll bring up a point real quick and we move on. Kevin B. It's a weird stat. I know Kevin's not, his next point is, is goes with this. Baffer's last four years at Keeneland, he's 0 for 4 with two-year-olds and zero in the try, but none of them are of Cave Rock's quality. So we really, it, it's, I've looked at who they were and it was, um, you had Newgate uh, in the Breeders' Futurity. Nobody gave him much of a chance there. Carmel Road in the Breeders' Futurity, not much of a chance there. That was this year. And then you look at class year two years ago, that horse went from a maiden special weight to the Breeders' Cup. And then Princess Nora was the favorite in the juvenile fillies, oh, but she uh, hated she that horse. <laughs> she was a paper tiger, as Mike Samich likes oh, to call him. God, so. yeah, I hated that horse, Princess Nora, that year. I bet against her with both fists. So moving on to the Philly and Mare Turf. This one, from a pace perspective, is very easy to talk about. In Italian, as you see, is the E8. The only other horse in there, the six missing scene, may show some speed, but in Italian is going to have her way on the front end here. And it just comes down to two things, really. This race, in my opinion, is one of the easiest ones to handicap from the perspective. Is a mile and 316th too long for an Italian to keep on holding that lead because she hasn't faced Euros like Nashua? And I really love Above the Curve because my man Joseph O'Brien won this year, won this race three years ago in 2019. And I wish I could have get that price that i got three years ago because i had that horse i forget the name oh my god but yeah joseph o'brien coming in here with above the iridessa iridessa so coming in here with above the curve nine to two i like that horse in here too so i really am focusing on those three and i may have a ticket where i just single in italian also because the pace this is one of the races. I mean, her and Jackie back to back here could be a double where you just be like wire, wire, and just see what the the out what the uh, the payouts are. It's going to be probably pretty small, but the in Italian to Jackie's Warrior double pound town to whatever you got 20, 40, 50 bucks double. Hey, if you just think it's going to get wired, and you also obviously at this point in the day and a half of racing before this, we should have some good information if speed is holding up on both of the courses. I saw, so on that note, um, I forgot to bring this up earlier, the report from, from horses just galloping on the turf course, and they've got the dogs out, so they're protecting it. The turf course is getting chewed up just from horses galloping over. So if the turf course doesn't seem to be holding up now, let's project and just assume that's what happens this weekend. How does that affect pace? Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I think... They're calling for 77 degrees, 76 degrees the next two days, or Friday and Saturday. So things will be dried out. If it's chewed out on the outside, they're going to keep those cones, keep the inside nice and firm. I think we're going to see firm and fast, and they're going to make this track pretty tight on the dirt. So I'm really worried about projecting pace meltdowns, and I think I'm projecting a little bit too much of it. Uh, we already talked about the distaff, where a lot of speed on there, and it, will that really set up? Here with the Philly and Mare turf on the turf, you know, on that turf that's going to be pretty firm in Italian. She just might get out there and they can't reel her in. But I don't think she's faced two horses like Nashua and above the curve who both look really good in their last out. 
I know that uh, uh, Thu Aug is saying uh, very interested in Moira at a big odds, very lightly race. She's a three-year-old. She won the Queen's Plate up at Woodbine, which is the, the Kentucky Derby restricted to Canadian breads. Uh, very talented horse. Going into that race, Slim, I was told that they were thinking she was a filly and mare turf horse when they were looking ahead to the fall. So they're here with her. I just feel like this is way too big of a step up for her. Yeah, I love Moira. You know, she's with my boy, Saul Cumin. So I got to root for Moira in here. But yeah, of the closers, I love Above the Curve more. And, you know, one thing about Nashua that people should be aware of that this horse did show a lot of speed in the La Opera. I don't know, pre Alala -la Opera. <laughs> don't try to get a, a guy from the Bronx to try to pronounce horse races from freaking Paris, you know, Longchamps. So, you know, the pre la da la opera, I really like that race from Nashua. And she did all the dirty work there. So she might be doing all the dirty work here, too, and track down an Italian late. So not a bad favorite there, five to two in Italian, seven to two and nine to two above the curve. So I'm not giving out any inside information here with the top three choices. But I feel <laughs> like those three will get you through there. I like Rougier, 12 to one. This horse has always shown you know, Chad and Chad, we trust this horse was always been highly touted, just hasn't lived up to the hype. And sometimes with those Chad horses, all of a sudden on Breeders' Cup Day, they're like, oh, Jesus, Rogier really was that good. So who knows? I mean, that's somebody to throw in at 12 to 1. Chad at 12 to 1 on Breeders' Cup Day. You're going to be counting your money if that comes through. Uh, I was going to bring up the... Um... Uh, the, the comment from Curtis, he was asking about uh, going to Vegas and if Reese Billy will have her fourth place. There's just going to Vegas is a front runner in California, but she's never faced. I mean, in Italian, it's got slim. She reminds me of newspaper of record a bit. You remember that Chad Brown trainee that she was so fast early. And of course, we better a lot at the Breeders' Cup. Uh, she was so fast early and she had that good motor that if they left her alone, it's like you're not going to go catch her. To me, that's what it in Italian looks like. I'm very excited to play her here. Yeah, I think some of these horses, you know, going to Vegas, I mean, Virginia Joy, they're not going to be able to keep up with her, but they'll be in that second batch. And who knows, maybe one will will get moving late, but I, I'm looking for horses to come from further out of it. Dennis says, hello. Hi, hey, Dennis. I saw somebody said, I'm happy that Slim is back to talking about horse races because the football stuff, uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens after this, but Slim Pickens. <laughs> Check me out on the football picks maybe one day. Anyway, so the Bronx guy is only – what? The Bronx guy is only dude who could – I'm sorry. Manu's, Manu is our our resident um, pronunciation expert, and, and I don't say that sarcastically. Oh, I said Rogier correctly. Very nice. Very I, nice. Just because I'm not the one who ever tries to say Rogier doesn't mean I don't know how to say it, Manu. It's, I just hey, I interviewed like Chad Brown twice at the meet, and now I'm forbidden to ever interview him again by my uh, – wife so we'll see what happens he not nice but you know what is nice this dirt mile but so let's the, talk the, about pipeline as a chad <laughs> brown trainee looking like one of those two horses that are gonna be slamming out of the gate i shouldn't use slamming uh could have been moving out of the gate with slow down andy we got two horses both e8 types those early eight types those are the ones that are gonna hook up and make a pace meltdown. We also got Laurel River as an EP8 and Gunite as an EP8. So really, how I can see those one and the three, those two slow down Andy and Pipeline getting out of the gate, starting that lead, and then you got Gunite head to head with Laurel River behind them. Oh, they're gonna be really chewing at each other's ears, and that is going to maybe set it up for someone to come off it. I love I love Cyberknife here. I think Cyberknife is going to sit to trip. If you take a look here at the nine on the 
pace projector. He's going to be sitting fifth or sixth early in the race. I like where Cyberknife is going to be because I don't know with Gunite and Laurel River, they're going to be at each other's throat latch for a lot of it. I don't give Slowdown Andy and Pipeline a chance to hold on in a mile of race here. Cody's wish. I got to play against the favorite somewhere in here. I just feel like, you know, the way he beat Jackie's Warrior was the perfect setup last time. But, hey, P Pipeline is in this race again. That's how who set him up with the Jackie's Warrior uh, come from behind last time to win the forego. So, hey, you know, Cody's wish at 5-2, to two, if you like him, Go for it here. There's a lot of ways to go in this race. And I don't think I could lose to Gunite because I really have liked him and he's a gutty horse. But moving to a mile from the seventh to eighth races, you know, he's really only in this race because I don't think Asmussen wants to put Gunite up against Jackie's Warrior in his final race. So Gunite lands here, might be a little too far for him, but we'll see what happens. I I'm very confused about this race. I know that Cyberknife is going to be on my tickets. My, to me, this, this is a race where <clears throat> there's two different versions of this race. There's the version where we're held at Keeneland, San Anita, Del Mar, where it's two turns. And there's the version where we're at Churchill or Belmont and it's one turn. And for me, when I handicapped this, the one turn horses didn't make my list. That means no Gunite, no Buscador, no three technique, no um, Cody's Wish. To me, he's better at one turn. Gunite has never tried two turns in his life. And you want to try two turns for the first time. He's in form. He's in great form. You want to try it for the first time at the Breeders' Cup in the Dirt Mile. And not just any Dirt Mile field. This is the best Dirt Mile field that since I've been covering this sport. I mean, the, the one that Dortmund lost in 2016, I think that might have been about the best one up until this point. I, it's just such a deep field. It's hard to really trust those, especially when, when Gunite is 72 slim. Yeah, I like this. Louisville Cardinals fan. The Silks <laughs> on the number 11. Dennis Trusty, my man, likes three techniques. I mean, three technique. I drafted his horse in <laughs> the fantasy draft like three years ago as a uh, – I thought he was going to be on a derby trail, and I said, oh, he's a sprinter. So you're right. Now he's in a dirt mile two-turn, and so maybe he really is a sprinter. This is a great batting race. If you hit the try in this race, it is going to pay. So – I'll talk about it later in my wagering tips for the Breeders' Cup. You just have to be right. Don't even take a look at the odds in this race. Seriously, don't even take a look. Just be right because if you're right in this race, you're going to pay. If you get to hit the exacta, it's going to pay. If you hit the trifecta, it's going to pay a lot. So just be right. A win wager may pay a lot here. So just figure out how to win this race. I don't know how, but I like Cyberknife somewhere in there. <laughs> Curtis says Buscador's best race was a two-turn mile at Remington. What's the last word that you used? Two words you said there, Curtis? At Remington. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Nick this says Juan, Her <laughs> Juan Hernandez. Last point, we can move on to the turf sprint. Juan Hernandez, Baffert's top rider in California, possibly the top rider in California. He's at Keeneland all weekend. He is not riding Laurel River, even though he rode him his last two starts. Uh, for Nick, he says that makes the race, or that makes Laurel River um, his best bet of the day. Because of that, if you could That's pick crazy. up, yeah. If you could pick up Irad, geez, I mean, Irad's free for any race on Breeders' Cup Day, and Bob Bob calls him up. You know, Bob's like, "Hey, Irad, what races are you free?" And he says, "Oh, yeah, I don't have a mount in the dirt mile. Oh, I got a horse for you." That's how these things happen on the backside. I hear these jock agents talking to the trainers often. And I don't get to share some of that stuff on on camera, but that's how these things happen. <laughs> anyway, moving to the turf sprint. We got another possible 
piss on you, Magic. Oh my God. He is, that is Aaron. He's mad about my. He's mad because I said Buscador was a one turn. Or no, because I made fun of Remington. That's why he's mad. Oh, I see. Yeah, Buscador. Hey man, I might have to throw a, a few a few dollars on Buscador for win. A two dollar win bet on Buscador. That might be a, a, the extent of that. If he wins it, at least uh, at least I cash. But yeah, I don't want Buscador to uh to get zero dollars in my wallet if he wins. But this horse, Golden Pal, two to one. I really like the two to one on this horse. I feel like if he's this good, he should be able to look at each one of these horses are going to make a run at him and he should be able to turn them away. This is the type of horse that can do that. Yes. Right out the gate, high field interest, uh, high field princess to his inside is going to give him problems. He should be able to clear that one. It's a European speed, but yeah, a lot of people very high on high field princess. And that's why I actually inserted her in here that if golden pal gets around her and is able to clear, he should get the lead, right? He should be faster than this horse. If this horse keeps on pressing him, then he can run into issues, but he should be able to turn that horse away. If he is this great in Keelan four for four in his career, it just comes down to everyone's going to make a run at him. Late Casa Creed's going to make a run at him. Caravel, I don't think she's fast enough to hold on uh, to to press him early, so she might not be able to make a run. But some horses will be able to. Highfield Princess should be able to make a run. Um, maybe even his stablemate, Arrest Me Red, at some point may be able to do something. But he should get in front of this field, and I really think the only horse that can get him with that level of class is Casa. I know it's crazy. Casa Creed is one of my boys. I really, one of my first things I wrote down, and I didn't even put this in the guide, so I'll give out this ticket for free. And I'm kind of coming, I, I went away from it because I started hearing about all these Euros. And I think I want to come back to it is the Golden Pal straight Casa Creed Exacta. And maybe box it. Because Casa at six to one, damn, this horse is a group, a grade one winner. And he's ran all the big races. The only knock against him is the five and a half. If the five and a half, he just has to get going a little earlier. And, you know, with who's on him? Luis Saez. Luis Saez. I mean, he has a fine jockey that could get the job done here. Saez has been hot as hell at Keelan. He's on Casa here. They're all going to make their runs at him. Can Golden Pal hold him off? I think so. I'm kind of singling Golden Pal a lot of my tickets, but... God damn, I think I might have to back up with Casa a little bit more now. <laughs> now that I, I just talked myself into it. This is a, a the, the turf sprints are the two races that I'm like, I don't I, like it. Can we just I just want to watch it. I don't want to have to bet. I mean, Golden Pal's great. But if, if, if you're trying to then he's gonna be my top pick as well. But trying to find horses underneath is it's so hard and it's so trip dependent when they're sprinting five and a half furlongs here. I went with Go Bears Go because the horse was second in the juvenile turf sprint last year and is 30 to one this year. And to me, it's as good a chance as anybody to get second in this race behind mm -hmm. golden pal. Yeah. 30 to one blinkers on. Hey, you got to love it for go bears. Go showed success in the U S last year. So totally fine. If you're going to pl play a golden pal, go bears, go just make sure you have it for like a little bit on the other way around in case go bears, <laughs> go 
Springs the upset and Go Bears go over Golden Pal exact that pays like 150 bucks for a buck, <laughs> some shit like that. Like you do not want to be thinking like, oh my god, I played it only straight. Just put two bucks the other way around, you're gonna make at least 100 bucks back probably. <laughs> so that's my only thing there. Yeah, I'm not that I'm not that crazy about that race. I'm a little confused about Golden Pal and I should single him, but I know deep down that I'm gonna play Casa Creed also. So now moving to the last race or the first race on Saturday. <laughs> I did this in reverse order because I wanted to make sure I talked about the classic the most, but Philly Mare Sprint, goddamn, if there's a horse race that has pace meltdown on it, historically this race has set it up for the likes of Bar of Gold and Shamrock Rose to win. So we've seen big closes. This seven furlong race is just so fun to watch because it can set up for the pace meltdowns and that's exactly what we have here slammed leaving from the rail with Flo Florent Giroux is going to have to get on his horse as an E7 getting out of there hot peppers from the 10 she's going to have to get out of there too these two are going to probably hook up but in between them they got more speed and also on the outside we got Lady Rocket leaving from the 12 and Echo Zulu from the 13, they both want to be forwardly placed. Edgeway has early speed. We got five horses here that are E-types that are going to want to get out of the gate early. And I love Obligatory here. Obligatory is one of my horses. And I also really like Shytown Lady to pick up the pieces late. Overall, I love Goodnight Olive. I'll tell you a quick story about Goodnight Olive. When she won her allowance race, I was in the winner's circle at Saratoga with my daughter and my son's name is Oliver. So we're like, Oh my God, good night, Olive. We love this horse, Olive, Oliver. And I was like, Oh, I got to interview Chad again before the Travers. So let me see if he's available. So I go over to Chad. It's like, Hey, I want to introduce you to my daughter. And he's like, I'm like, she wants to work for you one day. And she's like, hi. And he's like, Hey, can she come work for me next week? I said, Oh yeah. So that was the week that that happened. <laughs> As far as I had the week that my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, was supposed to start working at Chad's barn, because she could have been Goodnight Olive's groom. Yes. Anyway, so Goodnight Olive, I really back to this. That's just the story I want to tell about me at the track talking to Chad Brown. But anyway, Goodnight Olive, obligatory. The race sets up great. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm not going to give away my guide bets, but Goodnight Olive, obligatory. I've seen both of them in person. I love both of them. I, I really feel like they're going to have this pace set up for them. And I like that Nick agrees with me there. Yeah. He's a, it's always a, it's always a good feeling when Nick Feldman, he's a very sharp, uh, very oh, sharp really? watcher. Good. Yeah. It's always, it's always a good when he does that. Uh, Kevin, we'll move on after this, but uh, he likes chain of love here. The Japanese sent one horse this year. It's chain of love in the seven furlong dirts, uh, Philly mare sprint. Um, she was a pretty decent. Uh, I think she was fourth. She got caught right at the wire going six furlongs in the uh, Golden Shaheen in Dubai. Uh, Dr. Scheibel was in that race. Remember, he just lost the Breeders' Cup sprint by a nose last year. So she was facing some good competition there. Uh, I think she's interesting underneath as well if the pace collapses. Yeah, I mean, someone's talking about CC here. We also got some questions about the Todd Fincher horse in here. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to leave here without talking about CC. She won the race last year. She's going to be closing too. I mean, there's going to be a lot of horses closing. I think Goodnight Olive gets to jump on them with this pace set up. And CC, Obligatory, Chi-Town Lady, they're going to be coming, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be very exciting. One quick thing 
about uh, Chi Town Lady, right? Wesley Ward, Wesley Ward Horse, right? Kamari going to the main sprint because seven furlong of six furlongs is better for her. But at the same time, maybe he really does believe that Chi Town Lady, the Grade One Test winner, is set for this race going seven furlongs as the test was seven furlongs. Chi Town Lady. I think is live and at 20 to one, Jesus Christ, you don't want to get beat by this horse. A grade one, three-year-old test sprinter at 17 to one. She won. So we're going to wrap this up. We're at 51 minutes. So thank you all for joining Friday thoughts. Cave rock. We talked a little bit about, I'm going to be singling him and all of my multi-race wagers. Obviously one of the things allocate your budget appropriately for Friday, jumping ahead to slim's top five BC wagering tips. Allocate your budget appropriately for Friday is one of the things. Hey, if you have a strong opinion on Friday and you want to pound Cave Rock, go for it. But those other four races besides those are very tricky. And I know people love the the, the Applebee horse in the last race. I forget the name. Tell me. Who's the Applebee horse? Who's the Applebee horse? Nation's Pride or Rebel Romance? No, no. In the, uh, the, the Juvenile Turf. Oh, Juvenile Turf. I'm sorry. You're on Friday. Uh, Silver Knot. Silver Knot. People love Silver Knot. Yeah. yeah, Silver Knot's a very good play. Uh, Cave Rock, Silver Knot, double. I don't know what's going to pay th- two bucks. So, you know, you're probably not going to want to play that. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's even still an open race there, even with Silver Knot in there. I don't think he's as good as Modern Games was last year coming in. So all four of the races besides Cave Rock are going to be wide open. Don't spend too much money. I feel like there's going to be unlikely circumstances. I like an upset G. Laurie, but this is something that my wife's cousin owns part of this horse with Saul Cumin, and G. Laurie is named after his mother. So... I kind of got a thing for the horse because uh, my wife is related to uh, G Lori in some ways. So I think that's the upset of the day, but you know, I hit sharing a few years ago with Graham motion. So I'm just kind of focused on that. He's also, she's also getting William Buick, which is kind of weird for me to see William Buick on a motion horse. So something is up here, 12 to one on G Lori. I got to have that horse on my tickets. And then we got vlog stars, Major dude verifying. I visited verifying when that horse didn't even have a name at the Cox Barn. So that's cool to me. Oxymore really liked that horse for Chad Brown. And I don't give as much a success to battle the Normandy and reckoning force, but two of the horses I'm definitely going to be playing. I really like Oxymore in the juvenile turf sprint. We'll see. I think it's going to be a fast pace. So Chad Brown and Chad, we trust. So moving into the last topic, Slim's top five BC wagering tips. We all have a lot of craziness going in our head right now 14 races you've looked at them you've handicapped them you've had it all figured out we're 48 hours out spend the next two days now on your wagering strategy there's so many pools so many pick fives pick fours pick threes doubles exactus trifectas you can't play at all hone in pick your spots so if i roll down these top five. The first one is spend 50% of your time on wagering strategy. I just said it. Look at those pools. See where you can leverage your strongest opinion. If you have a single, will a double work? Will a pick three work? Moving out to pick fours and pick fives. For me, it's fool's gold. I never hit one. I just don't know. There'll always be something crazy that happens in a mile or one of these races. I just won't see. So if you want to make money along the way, hit those doubles, hit those pick threes, and really make sure you are honing in on your strongest opinions. The second one is allocate your budget appropriately for Friday. We talked about that. 
unlikely scenarios in these juvenile races, don't go crazy. Just make sure the worst feeling is on Friday night. If you're down half of your budget more, or you went over what you said, just say, Hey, I got a $400 budget. I'm only going to put a hundred bucks on Friday, a quarter of my budget. So really think about, you know, what you want to do. I know it's tough. You might have a really strong opinion. Hey, play that opinion on Friday, but don't go balls deep on it. Anyway, so pick your spots. We already talked about picking your spots. Lean on a super horse. I'm going to lean on flight line, just like American Pharaoh seven years ago at this track. You can end all your bets, singles. You could go spread a little bit more on your bets because you have flight line at the end of that. Two of my best years betting was with American Pharaoh and Justify because every time they ran, I just singled them at the end of my pick threes, pick fours. And boy, I spread five, six deeps, uh, five, six, seven, eight deep. I think it was eight deep. Uh, the year that that in the Manhattan, when Justify won the Belmont Stakes, and I hit a, a motion horse that day. A motion horse won that race. So you can go deeper in these fields because you can rely on flight line at the end of it, but pound it. Pound it for $10, $10 pick threes. And there it is. Keep it simple. The last thing. So the fourth tip was lean on a super horse if you're listening to a podcast. The fifth tip, keep it simple. You just got to be right. Don't get too crazy about, oh, this horse is five to one. Oh, this horse is two to one. This horse is seven to two. Just be right because <laughs> it's going to pay. Yeah. Pools are so big. Don't get yourself too crazy. Just make sure you're right. I mean, it's easy to say, right? But don't get too focused on the odds. These horses are champion level horses, a ton of grade one winners. So if you like a grade one winner that's 12 to one, don't let someone else talk you off of it. And as my last thing, Thank you for everybody who supported me in 2002. We had over $2,500 donated to the Backstretch Employee Services Team from the Saratoga Slim Backside Vlog. We had over 17,400 views on YouTube for the Saratoga Slim Backside Vlog. 27 of the horses I visited in their stalls are in the Breeders' Cup. So thank you. I got out there. Hopefully I got some good information for you. So good luck. From me and the racing dudes, hopefully everyone cashes big on Friday and Saturday. 27 horses. That's awesome. That just means we got to try and aim for a bigger number, uh, a bigger number, whoops, bigger number next year for that one. Uh, before we get out of here, one final question, Kevin, you've been, we've had a lot of amazing people in the chat. Thank you. All of you. Kevin's got the last one to get us out of here. What are we pounding harder on Saturday? Slim flight lines or white claws? Flight line. <laughs> I love holding up the can and then saying flight line. I love the tease. I'm excited to see this horse. I mean, I'll tell you another quick story. So Jason Blewett, he is the breeding manager for um, West Point now, yep. right? And after he won the Met Mile, I was in. Um, I was talking to him on the backside, and he's like, "This horse is going to stand for like two hundred thousand dollars." I'm like, "What? You run the Met Mile? What does Frost stand for?" He's like, "You watch." This horse is gonna run for this. This horse is gonna stand for one hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars. Damn it! If he wins on Saturday and he wins impressively, I will be eating my eating crow because Jason Blue will be right because this horse will stand for as much as American Power did, or just probably a little bit below. But yeah, I'm excited to see this horse. I want to see a horse that I could tell my friends to watch, my buddies from college, and be like. Dude, turn on NBC. You're about to see something ridiculous. And I want him to come through and show out and show horse racing 
can have a superstar that we can love and then go off to the breeding shed and we'll never see him again. Peace. <laughs> uh, it kind of reminds, yeah, you're right. It's just a, 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 a something super, something superb about Flatline that we get to see. So thank you everybody for joining us. If you want more thoughts, including Slim's thoughts on Rich Strike, guess what? Where you can find that? The inside track to the Breeders Cup wagering guide. It's available now, racingdudes.com. If you're a monthly premium subscriber to any of our products, you get it for free. It's already ready for you. Go check it out. Otherwise, what are you waiting for? We're done with the show. Go get the guide over at RacingDudes.com. And make sure you subscribe to YouTube.com slash RacingDudes. We've got tons of content coming all Breeders' Cup weekend long. We'll be there live at the track. Tons of previews. Uh, we'll be doing some uh, live hits right from the track in between the races, reacting in the moment to this stuff. It's going to be a ton of fun. Slim, thank you again for joining us. Uh, always a pleasure here. Good luck this weekend, buddy. You too, bro. Enjoy. Safe travels. Have fun out there. I'll be missing it out, man. I'll be missing you guys, but enjoy. Have a great time in Lexington. Thanks. Good luck, everybody, this week. We'll see you next time. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.